For me, fashion is a verb. So it's too fashion. You're listening to Wardrobe Crisis with Claire Press. Join me every week as we look at sustainability, ethics, and the business and madness of fashion. Hello, I've missed you. Now, if you've been waiting patiently for part two of series five's finale, when we pass the mic to listeners, thank you. If you've been waiting impatiently, then sorry. I had a bit of a break. That sounds like I was sitting in a hammock drinking pina coladas. That is not what I was doing. I've been really, really busy. I've been trying to juggle one million things at once, which if you run your own business or design your own kind of projects, you'll know what that feels like. And just sometimes it just piles up, right? And you're like, oh my God, I'm not going to get through the other side. So I've been on that little ride, but finally I'm done. And I will share with you in a moment what we've been working on. Now, the podcast If you listened to the last episode, you'll know that we interviewed three listeners about all things vintage and thrifted. And the part two finale is about design solutions to fashion sustainability problems. And again, the guests are our listeners and they wrote to us saying that they'd like to share their stories. Now, actually, with these, I've decided not to sandwich them together because they do stand alone as separate episodes. So the first one is with the brilliant and very original Icelandic designer Ir Johannesdottir. Her approach to upcycling is unique. It's also hysterical. She makes these really funny jumpers that are covered in like lolling tongues and teeth and big eyes or have hot dogs on them smothered in sauce. She'll tell you all about that. But there's a serious message underneath the hilarity. Ear is a deep thinker who uses her work to challenge the fashion system in really creative ways. She's our first ever podcast guest from Reykjavik and she's fantastic. I think you're going to really enjoy listening to Ear. But before we get into it, do you want to know what I've been doing that's made me so busy? Oh, I'm so excited to tell you. Dear listeners, you are the first to know. We haven't announced it yet, or I'm announcing it now, I guess. But Wardrobe Crisis Academy launches in May. This is our brand new, shiny, fabulous, fascinating, engaging, inspiring online sustainability school. If you're listening to this, I'm guessing you care about sustainability. Sharing knowledge about this area and trying to influence change is what we do with this podcast and these interviews, with our articles, and I do it with my talks and books and workshops with brands. So online courses felt like a logical extension of that. But it's also like this big passion point for me because I really think that there's nothing else out there. I think that if you're trying to up-level your sustainability education, you either have to go down the route where you spend a bazillion dollars And there are these fancy professional development courses out there that cost hundreds, if not thousands of bucks or pounds. And that's great if you can afford it. Or if you've got time and it's your whole life, you could go to university or to do a degree or be a full-time student. Or I guess if you're a fashion student, there are also some excellent open source MOOCs out there that are kind of targeted towards design. But what about everyone else? I just kept thinking, like, there's nothing out there. If you really want to upskill yourself, like I said, on sustainability and you don't fall into those categories, rich, a full-time student or a designer, then the onus has been on you. Like you've got to go and do all the research yourself. You've got to like spend a million hours on Google and Instagram wondering who to follow and who's a trusted source. And I don't know, like it's just a lot. And I don't think there's anything out there that has really held the hand of the person who wants to be guided with a curated framework to help them study and learn in a dynamic, not boring way that costs a pizza and a bottle of wine or the equivalent of. And that, my friends, is what we've built. 
my God, I'm so excited. I didn't write any of that down. That was just my brain dump. So anyway, that is Wardrobe Crisis Academy. It's coming to the rescue. It's big. I'm not coping with how excited I am. And what else? I'm going to come back, actually. In the middle of this interview, we'll have an interval where I'll share a bit more about what the Academy is going to do, what the first course will be, when it will launch and why you should join us. But now let's get to the podcast. Ir Johansdóttir. Ir Johansdóttir. Mm-hmm. Shall I try harder? One more time. Ir Johansdóttir. Ir Johansdóttir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're a textile designer and artist from Iceland working under the name, you just say it, your label's called? Uh, I call it Irurari. It is not supposed to be easy to say, so... Ir, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy we're doing this. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now, you're joining us from Reykjavik. And before we press record, you said to me, if I have to go, it's because... We have earthquakes now. Yeah, it's it's a bit crazy situation. (laughs) And we're kind of just waiting for a volcano to erupt that is quite close to Reykjavik. But it's not dangerous. It's not going to float over any houses or anything. Wow, but is this a common thing? Not really, like the earth has been like shaking since last Wednesday for like almost a week. We had like a big earthquake then and then we have had like thousands of earthquakes every day, but tiny ones and then like some big ones. So we're all a bit like like seasick here now. Is it frightening? When the big ones come, it can be a bit frightening, yeah. At least like we got kind of rid of COVID now, we are kind of COVID safe because we are an island. But now we have the earthquakes instead. So, I came across you via Instagram and I've just been obsessed with your work since I saw your first posts. It's very charismatic, your work. You describe it online as fragments of humour, body movements and the everyday meet in wool-based, often wearable objects. We're going to unpack that. <laughs> It's not always wearable. Your work's been in vogue. It's been collected by international museums and worn by the likes of Erica Badu and Noel Fielding, which makes a lot of sense to me. If people don't know who Noel Fielding is, we will share a picture of him <laughs> in your jumper. <laughs> well, I didn't get the picture of him in the jumper. He didn't actually wear it for the occasion he was supposed to. So maybe I, I shouldn't have that written. Yeah, maybe I should take that out. <laughs> I feel like he is your ideal customer in terms of he can handle the humour and the eccentricity. I want to go back to this quote, fragments of humour, body movements and the everyday meat in wool based, often wearable objects. There's a lot in there. So tell us about your label, what you create and can you unpack that sentence for us? Yeah, like uh, for the past years I have been like taking used sweaters and and use them in my work like to start with it wasn't necessarily a idea of like being environmental in a way it was more like I was making sweaters from scratch and I was decorating them and changing like something that took like a while for me to make from scratch so then I realized I could just take old sweaters and actually use them because I still work so much in my hands so it's still really time consuming so the everyday is also such a fun thing because I'm taking like these old woolen jumpers that like no one wanted kind of because they're in the Red Cross or like in a secondhand store. And like I changed their like kind of like idea, make them more exciting and fun and like their value like increases kind of with just changing them. So that's kind of what I've been experimenting with for the past years is just like looking at these old sweaters 
thinking a bit about where they came from and like then change them into my own own writing. So the everyday is because they're commonplace. They're discarded. They're just old jumpers, old sweaters, old knitwear that you find in in secondhand shops, in charity shops. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Let's talk about the humour and remember that we can hear you, but we can't see your work. Describe. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of like read the sweater a bit and like figure out what I want to do with it. Like, can I take up the loops in it? Like, how is it stitched together and stuff like that? And like, how long is it? And yeah, what the colors is the cable knit sweater and everything. And then I change it into kind of my own sweaters. And like one of the sweaters that got super popular, it has like tongues sticking out of it. It was like a white cable knit sweater that I made. And then I just decided to make actually the pattern for that one because people were like, oh, I need this, I need this. Like they needed that sweater. But hang on, visually, your work often has exaggerated lips, teeth, tongues, mouths, and more knitted into into the old sweaters yeah and then it can also be like eyes and mouth or like it it changes on like how you move so if you have like uh if you like move your hands like the eyes move or like it gets sad or happy if you like wave your hands and (laughs) it's like playing around with like the also yeah like I said in that sentence like the the movements of the body in a way too so, like, yeah, also just having, like, those normal, like, waving someone. I don't know. Maybe that's not the most normal thing to do. But then it changes. <laughs> is it completely fair to say it's mad and it's bananas? I mean, it is very... What's the word? I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, but that's also, like, how you make people, like, interested, too. Like, it's, like, making weird things and fun things. But also, it's um, it's just very funny. And this is something that you and I talked about before we pressed record, that you're making this work, which is really visually humorous and really fun and really inviting. And you just want to get involved. It makes everybody smile. But mm-hmm. actually, you're talking about hard stuff or you're raising big issues behind what you do. Tell us a bit more about reuse and the drive to use upcycled materials and waste materials you said in your introduction that you're using sweaters from the red cross yeah so in iceland the like the red cross deals with the textile they throw away so they have like stores like the goodwill stores are in the u.s and they asked me for a collaboration for last year's design march it's like a design festival that we have here in Reykjavik and they would like want to collaborate so i got like sweaters from them that they can't sell because we, like every other Western nation, we throw away a lot of textiles. So they can't even sell all of it. They can't even go through all of it. But they took away like the sweaters they can't sell. They have like stains on it or holes or are just like too used to sell because of course they just take the best sweaters and put them in the stores. So I got like those like big blue IKEA bags of sweaters that I had to like clean and go through. And they had some like funny like, stains on them the hot dog became a theme for for that special show and on the side marts that ended up being in june because of covid i got my friend snyfrider who is like a stage performance designer like maker and we like designed this kind of like prevention fashion show we called it 
So we had like a group of people, mostly actors or actor students, dressed in the sweaters that I had made. And they all had like hot dogs holding them and they were like showing different ways of holding them so you would not spill on yourself. And then like after like a walk through like downtown and into like the showroom, uh, they had like a dance, like showing how you can hold the hot dogs. And then at the end of the show, the last model comes in in like completely white sweater that had some stains on it actually. And we had like put up like a sauce stand or like a, where you can put everything on the hot dog. And he comes to the stand, starts getting a little bit of sauce on his hot dog. And then he starts to like put a bit of sauce on his sleeve. And then he ends up just putting sauce on all of himself. And like and all the people wearing the sweaters just like run away because this, all the sweaters know this story. They know what's going to happen. And it's what happened in their previous lives. You just, there's a bit you just said there that I want to talk about, which I loved a lot. The sweaters know what's going to happen to them because they know their previous story. Yeah, yeah, they all been there. So, so that was like the idea of the the show was to just like it was like a easy, like fun way to show people, like yeah, this can happen. But it's also like yeah, of course, accidents will always happen, even though we hate fast fashion and everything about it. Like, of course, everyone is going to spill sauce on themselves at some point. But you are anthropomorphizing those jumpers. You're giving them personalities. You're saying they remember, they know, they feel. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like also what I'm keeping on working with this product now. Like I'm studying art education at the art school here because like my studies have or like my practice has like moved into that direction because I don't want to like mass produce stuff. I want to get people involved and actually think about like how to make the things last. Now I have like an open studio at the design museum in it's in Karlaberg, close to Reykjavik. And there, because I still have been getting so many sweaters from the Red Cross, I can't, like, fix all of them myself. I just have two hands. So I am, like, getting people more involved. They can come in and, like, I don't know if it's right to say adopt because it's just sweaters, but still you can, like, take a sweater. If you promise that, like, it fits you, you're going to use it, you're going to mend it, and you're going to take care of it. If it, like, fits with the clothes in your closet, you kind of have to, like, make an agreement with me, and then you can take the sweater and yeah, make it stay alive. And then I have like workshops and people have been doing like really fun things with the sweaters. Welcome to Wardrobe Crisis Academy. I'm Claire Press, I'm the founder and one of the course leaders. Are you curious about sustainability in fashion? Do you want to learn more about the issues that you care about? Is there stuff you find confusing about this topic? Or do you want to make your business more sustainable, but you can't afford a fancy consultant? Or maybe you want to upskill so that you can influence change in a bigger organisation. Maybe you just have that feeling that you know you could be a leader in this space and you just want more information and more support. Wardrobe Crisis Academy is for you. There's something for everyone wherever you sit in the fashion ecosystem, whether you're in the business or want to be or are just someone who loves clothes. In these courses, we want to help you find your way into making fashion more sustainable. Or if you already have, we want to supercharge it, really hone in on what's driving you to make sustainable change and to help you employ it as effectively as possible in your work and life. 
To get ahead, you need to be armed with the facts and as much knowledge as possible about the big issues and how they intersect. But you also need to understand the challenges and the opportunities. And that's what we're here for. We've designed these courses to be rich with information that goes in and stays in, but also really inspiring and get you participating because that's where the change happens. We're launching our school in May. It's online and everyone's welcome. It won't break the bank. That is like one of the big, big things about this. You can buy a course for the cost of dinner and you'll also be able to subscribe and access a whole bunch of them. Sustainable Fashion 101 is our introductory course designed to give you a foundational knowledge of the issues driving sustainable and ethical fashion now and to empower you to start taking more action. It's structured over six weeks and it's delivered in partnership with Arch and Hook, the world's number one sustainable hanger brand, as well as the Australian Fashion Council. But it's global, so anywhere around the world you can access these courses and learn with us together. There's a lot more to come and I invite you to join us. To be first, go to thewardrobecrisis.com for more details. So why I was going to ask you, why do you do what you do? it's very clear that you're not just making stuff for the sake of selling it, but you're actually using fashion to have big conversations, but you're also asking the wearer or the customer or the community to interact with yeah. the piece and then potentially make change. Like you talk about having a prevention show. I love it. There's a lot to it. How would you describe your purpose? Why do you do what you do? Mm, I don't know. Like, of course, I started with just like... I learned to knit when I was nine. We learned to knit in school here in Iceland. We have textile classes at like, it's like in a children's school. Like you learn to knit when you're nine. So then I learned to knit and I got like a bit obsessed with it. I was like reading and knitting and I was just like constantly knitting when I was a, a kid. And then I like started again nine or eight years ago. So it has always been like a thing that I connect really well with and I like it calms me down. It has been a bit more stressful for the past year since I made it like my job to knit. So like like the idea of it has changed a bit. But yeah, the thing like yeah, I do it not because I want to like yeah, sell stuff. I don't I hate also like I have tried selling stuff. Like after I graduated, I, I made like some like scarf line and then you just like what you're doing then is just like you have to like advertise it really well. You have to like go to so many stores and like try to get the money out of them and they sell your stuff and like all those bills and stuff and I hate it uh, so that's like I am not like a business person like I don't really like business so I think that's where it has led me today is like more like have a conversation with the community and like get people more active because also I don't feel the urge to make new things necessarily because we have more than enough like Icelanders I was reading that every Icelander throws away like 20 kilos of textile and shoes every year Wow, do they? Um, in Australia, yeah. it's 23, and in North America, it's 28. And those stats yeah. date from a little while ago. They're quite old. But I'm surprised, actually, that you would say Iceland is up there. Yeah, because like Icelanders are always like very proud. Like We are so unique. It's just 350,000 of us. We are like so small nation, and like, like we brag a lot about our nature and like how artistic and down-to-earth we are. But, of course, it's not like that. It's still like, yeah, 20 kilos is way too much. Their goal is to have it 10, but it's still just going up. Whose goal? Uh, I don't know how to say it in English. It's like the the environmental, like or like the government. How interesting. I, yeah. I wanted to ask you more about Iceland. You're our first Icelandic 
podcast guest. We have had lots of Nordic guests from Sweden, from Denmark, from Finland, but we've never had an Icelandic guest. Tell me a bit more about the sustainability culture there. So population-wise, a very small country. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you, as a cultural thing, take pride in looking after nature, being sustainable maybe I don't know tell me Mm. a bit more about that and also particularly with fashion yeah so like of course we are so small we can't provide all the things on our own like we mostly just have fish here and tourism that's like what are the main like things people live on here so of course we like have to get things sent in and like shopping online is like a really popular thing to do here and of course it has to travel a long way to get here so yeah, we don't have much, like we have the wool from the sheeps here and we have like two knitting factories left, but like, Do you? yeah, but like they are struggling because of like the China market, even like the Luapa Pesa, which is like a traditional Icelandic like wool sweaters, they sent the wool now to China and it's just knitted in machines there and sent back. Can, can I ask you, this is so interesting, right? Because you mentioned before that everybody in Iceland learns to knit at school and it's part mm-hmm. of the education system. Yeah. Is there then this rich history of wool and knitting and crafting? Yeah, it is because, of course, it's like a really cold island. And it's kind of like incredible that there are people like living here. How cold are we talking? It's just very, it's more like bad weather. It's like windy, snowy, like you can't get stuck in places. And it's not necessarily as cold as it sounds, but it is like bad weather. It's very like a windy island. So, yeah, like, of course, wool became a really important thing in our history because we had to keep warm. So the crafting history here is, is like, has a lot in it. And it's all about, like, yeah, staying warm. And, like, of course, everyone lived on the fish. So there were a lot of fishermen and they needed the warmth. And so we have, like, a, a history of, like, wool. But it's kind of, yeah, been difficult now because the wool isn't selling that well and the, and the farmers are more thinking about the meat so, like, the sheeps have turned into, like, not wool sheeps. So it, it's, like, all a bit sad how it has evolved. But I feel like there is more conversation going on now about, yeah, shopping or, like, buying stuff made in Iceland and making things work out here because we also have all the warm water. That's also the thing that people are talking about. It's also, like, growing more vegetables here, not just the meat, because we can. There's a lot of, like, opportunities here. And they're also talking about um, hemp, Growing hemp, I think wow. it's in English. Yeah, yeah, hemp, hemp. Yeah, hemp. Yeah. So that's all something that people are evolving here now, and yeah. I'd love to know more about the fashion scene there, and also about your fashion education. So of course, people, at least in my designer artist bubble, are like very can dress really creative, but I think like most of my friends like are buying secondhand more and more, and then like of course we have like you can study fashion here. It's not like a big thing to do. And there is like a fashion scene. A lot of the fashion designers actually are now more like using the wool and trying to figure out ways to make the wool valuable again. And they're like, yeah, trying to start making things more here. But of course, all the cotton and everything has to come from abroad. And there are not like that many designers working with used textiles like I am. There is like one that's called After and it's like an old label. And that like kind of also inspired me on my journey they have like had a store in Laugavegur on the main street since I was like a, a teenager. So they always used like old textiles and cut them out and just make new like shapes and silhouettes with it. And it's really 
a really nice label. So I think they are like the main people that actually do it. But I'm also happy to see like the wool is getting back in. Like the people are trying to find, figure out ways to make the wool valuable again. They made just like a, they actually made an Icelandic tweet last year. How interesting! I want to yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved again. I wish we could make this podcast last for three hours because there's so many things <laughs> I want to ask you. But I love the idea of reshoring and localism and being resourceful with what you already have. I think they're kind of global trends that we're seeing that people want to tap into the history of their textile culture more. They want to bring back things that are in danger of being lost, all of yeah. that. But I'd love to end on asking you about where you see the future of this. So, like, I have been seeing changes, like, now in on the main street because of COVID, like, all the tourist shops closed and, like, they had, like, super dry or something that closed too. And there are new things happening instead. Like, there are more Red Cross stores opening up and they have a tool library now, like where you can rent tools instead of just buying all the things you need to renovate things. Fantastic. Mm. And they have like two new stores where you can like sell your used clothes and get the money yourself. Like that's a new thing here to do. So like there are like new things like that happening. Are they sort of moving into the spaces that have been left empty because businesses have moved yeah. out from COVID? Wow. Yeah, and like my dream is like after my graduation, I'm hoping the city owns some space there that I could start more like of the mentoring like workshops because I've been doing mentoring workshops now and it's so fun. People are so interested in it and love it, like fixing those stains and holes in a fun way and it's like such a fun space to be in when people are kind of just making their their clothes more fun and interesting and and spending time on like together and working on it. So like the future I want is to yeah, use all of those empty spaces and like making the textiles last somehow, like making this circular thing happen that people are always talking about, but never seems to be happening. But it, like, and also it can't be fun. It doesn't have to be boring at all, like spending time together and fixing things and, and yeah, learning new skills and yeah, trying out what you can do with your things. You know, what I haven't asked you and I do want to talk more about, which is is the humor and is the color, the colorfulness of what you do and how exuberant it is. Often in sustainability, and I've struggled with this a bit, the aesthetic is minimal. So it's always beige and the capsule wardrobe of the simple white shirt and the yeah, know, the beige color scheme. And I'm not like that. I like frills and ruffles and silly things. And I think there's mm -hmm. something about sustainability that pushes people towards a minimal aesthetic that seems to speak of restraint <laughs> you don't do that yeah. at all you're the opposite no. like I understand going there because yeah of course you can't get tired of those strange things maybe sooner oh but, you think so it's about longevity like it's soothing uh, yeah. and it lasts. I, would, yeah. I would think like yeah you want the like the basic black pants because you can use them like they fit with everything or something but still like it doesn't mean everything has to be like black pants and turtleneck you can also like dress that up with something more fun so like I'm not saying you have to like put tongues and eyes on every clothes that you have you can like uh, just do it to like yeah some special clothes that you want to use once in a while and then also like characters are different like I don't like to use my clothes like every day because people like shout at you and are like nice sweater of course sometimes you want to be like invisible and then you don't want to wear like crazy stuff but people are different. Some people love to wear like colorful things and, and strange and want to be noticed. So of course, like the solution has to like suit everyone. Like it's also the conversation about like 
sustainable clothes being in all the sizes of people, but it also has to be like in all of the styles that people like too. I want to ask you one more question about the fashion future that you'd like to see. You described such a lovely idea of it being workshop based and mending and you talked all about the wearer actually rather than the maker. Mm -hmm. What sorts of pieces do you want to continue to make and where do you see your future you said you didn't feel like business was your thing you got a label where do you want to take it yeah it's a good question like I think I want to do more like yeah small projects but I will get more people involved like now the project I'm, I'm working on for next design March, which is in May I got some sweaters from the Red Cross and I've given them to my friends of mine that are like writing short stories about like the previous life of the sweater and like where how it ended up there like my friend got this like Icelandic like design sweater and it's like all covered in holes and it's like smells like horses. So he's just kind of like investigating like what could be the pre-story of the person that owned it? Like how did it end up there? So and then I work from that story and like use that as inspiration on how I am gonna mend and change the sweater into my design. And I also got like a girl that do like comics and she's gonna make like a comic about this lady that woke up in this sweater and like I am gonna like also use that as inspiration. So I think like that's also the thing, like to get more mediums also involved. Like I'm also in a performance group and we are gonna do like a theater piece about wool too. So we already did a show about potatoes, so now we're gonna go into the textile. So you I did think what? that's we did a theater performance about potatoes. We actually got like nominated for the Icelandic Theatre Awards for it. So yeah, I'm also like in a performance group because I think that's also the thing, like it's taking other mediums in and making like writers and movie people like all interested in the subject because it's also like the the sweaters also have interesting stories i'm also investigating my mom's sweater that i used as a teenager it's like an icelandic wool sweater knitted in old yugoslavia like hand knitted by this like it's a super interesting story and i think that's also like how to make people think and get people involved it's just like yeah think about all these stories and and all the like like we have so much material there to work with like we don't need anything new i think thank you for listening to wardrobe crisis you can find the show notes for each episode and read our magazine over on our website www.thewardrobecrisis.com and that's where you can also sign up for our free sustainable fashion newsletters i hope you've enjoyed the show i'd love you to help us spread the word tell a friend share on social media or leave us a rating and review in apple podcasts it really helps new listeners find us on the app you can get in touch with us on social media the show is on instagram at the wardrobe crisis and i'm on there too and on twitter i'm at mrs press finally if you'd like to support us financially look for wardrobe crisis on patreon there's also a link in our instagram but for what you'd spend on a magazine each month you can be part of the wardrobe crisis patron community and you'll get exclusive podcast content articles and special access Because I love you